0: Good morning and welcome to our Breakfast with Karen series. We are so happy you're here. This meeting is being recorded and will be posted on our podcast channel and on our website, motherswhoknow.org. And I'm hoping today as you're here that you'll also be considering. I am going to be thinking of questions, situations in my life where maybe feelings and how I feel about my life applies as our presenter presents today, my friend Julie. What I'm hoping is that you'll be considering this morning, um, how do I feel this morning? How do I feel about my life? How do I feel about the situations in my life? And that you'll be taking notes today about the things that you feel as they relate to the things Julie will say. But I wanted to officially welcome you to our Breakfast with Karen, sponsored by Life Changing Services, Mothers You Know, and Mom Power, Women Centered in Christ. Between each eight week series of our Mom Power training, we have a free three week webinar series called Breakfast with Karen. So, welcome. You're here for our third of three in this series, and I'm so excited about our message today. What we are hoping is that. You will receive so much hope from our message. I've gotten some feedback from last week's webinar when Kelly presented and the hope that sisters have gotten from that. And I'm so appreciative of your notes and your comments on that. Thank you so much. If you weren't able to hear the last two webinars by Kelly last week and then myself the week before that, be sure to check those out. They're already posted on our podcast channel. Our podcast channel is titled Mothers You Know, and that's on any podcast favorite channel you have. So, I want to extend a special invitation to you in case you aren't aware of and you aren't registered for, you will want to get registered for. Uh, next week, August 27th, our next Mom Power Training starts. And it is such a powerful, wonderful class that has such a great message about where you're at right now and how to recognize what wonderful things lie in your power. and that we are never powerless. We have so much help. and there's so much hope. and we all face so many storms in our lives. and I am so appreciative of the information in the mom Power training and how it, it helps us to, with tools and principles, effectively find more courage in our lives. With the ongoing storms that we face, and be able to know how do I stand in this stormy place, in this messy place in my life that I'm trying to manage in a faithful, hopeful, powerful way? And how do I love and support the people in my life that I have stewardship with in that same way? And so I invite you to join us, and you need to get registered for that. If you are Someone who has a son or a daughter or even a husband in a life-changing services program, then you take this training at no cost. If you're coming in from outside of life-changing services, then there's a nominal fee for this class, but so worth the value, the investment that you make. So get registered for that, and you can register at that at mompowertraining.com. And if if you'd like to share the information of how to register for this class, all you need to do is share with your friends that address, mompowertraining.com, and it will take them right to where they need to register for our Mom Power Training. Okay, well, now for the best part. I'm so excited today, our topic is, I want to feel better about my life. And if you've been around me very long, then you, Understand that I I promote um, that the real battle is to keep the Spirit in our lives. And the real battle in our lives is to be able to believe in and have the courage to access, not just the courage, but the confidence to access our Savior's power that He offers us through His atonement Throughout the day in our lives, not just when we say our prayers, not just when we're doing our spiritual routines, but throughout the day. And the way that we do that is to win the, like, own or win the battlefield of our own heart and mind. Uh, So win the battles of our own thinking and feeling. And so our heart and mind are so critical to our success and our feelings are completely involved in that battle. We have a motto that stay by the tree and stay by the tree really just is a reminder, a motto that says, check where you're at. And if you have the spirit, because if we don't have the spirit, we really can't teach. If we don't have the Spirit, we really can't speak and beckon people to a place of the Spirit or even sound like we're somebody that they want to listen to. And so it's just so critical to win this battle. And so that's why I asked Julie to come today, because her message is going to help us to know, what do we do with all those feelings? How do we maintain that battlefield and be successful with everything that we're thinking and how all that thinking affects the way that we're feeling and then how that affects how we behave in our lives, then we might be noticing, I'm not getting the kind of results I want in my life. I'm not noticing that the things that I've dreamed that would be awesome are happening. So much of that has to do with winning and understanding the feelings part of all this equation. Because if you can manage your feelings well, then you can keep the spirit. It's the adversary actually knows that, especially with women who have gifts and so many feelings, because our radar is broad. We have a a broad radar on lots of things that we care about and love and many feelings about those things. And we also gauge our success quite often on how all those things are going. And so it's so valuable because we always will have feelings about the things we care deeply about. And then we will tend to behave off of how we're feeling. That's where our behaviors come from, are the actions we take in our life. And those things affect the way that we feel in our lives, and whether we can be peaceful, even in messy places. So Julie Grange is my dear friend. I've known her for about five-ish years, and I'm so thankful to know her. And the example she's been, excuse me, I always cry when I talk about things I love. She's been such a great example of consistent diligence, even in a place of discomfort and that is not easy, excuse me. Oh, I've been emotional this morning because uh, when I was doing my power goals, my prayers, writing and reading, I, I actually got kind of taken to task this morning and it's, been, it's got me overwhelmed with emotion already. So when I'm talking about Julie and the example she's been of someone that's so diligent, even in the face of discomfort, to learn, and to train herself and to make herself available to be someone with a message that she can share that has so much value to women. So I want you to know that Julie is not only a certified Eternal awareness mentor, but she is also a coach, a mentor. And the things that you hear her talk about today, if you're curious about them and want to know more about them, I want you to know that you can reach out to us at mothersyouknow.org and we will get you her information if you'd like to talk to her. This is her beautiful family. She loves her family and her family comes first. And I have loved that example from her as well. Just how she's navigated loving what is in her life and accepting those things because she's learned so much about what she's teaching us today. It has helped me to be a better trainer, a better coach, a better mother, a better individual, knowing just this piece that she's going to teach us today. That's why it has so much value to me, that you hear it, uh, because it's important to know how to manage ourselves so that we can support God's work in a powerful
1: way. So I'm turning it over to you, my friend. Thank you, Julie. Thank you, Karen. Um, It's such an honor to be with you today. And I just want to thank my wonderful friend, Karen, for inviting me to speak with you today on this subject that's really dear to my heart. And now her emotions have kind of got me a little bit triggered (laughs) just because that's what happens to me when someone has a Um, tender emotions, then I um, pick that up and just, I'll I'll get it under control here too. But I might just choke up a little bit during this process of getting started. But um, thank you for that beautiful introduction. I love the past five and a half years that I have been with Life Changing Services, either as a student myself, or um, the process of learning to become a mentor and trainer for eternal warriors. It's been a wonderful process. It's grown my life. I've always loved things of self-help to be able to enhance my life and become the best version of myself. Because I know like what, what Karen just said, when we become the best version of ourselves, we, are, we show up differently for our families. We show up able to be their cheerleader and um, mentor them through their hard times and through the times that they have to go through. So with that in mind, I will I'd like to tell you what we'll discuss here today. There there's three steps that we will go through. And the first one is why we have negative emotions in the first place. Why do we? Have you ever even considered that question? The second thing is what are our biggest hang-ups during an emotional ba- um, battle? When we're in the midst of that storm, this part portion has been, is one of actually my favorites portion of the um, information that I'll give you today because what it did for me in my life was it showed me what I was doing, why I was um, pulling back, why I wasn't able to show up. And then the third thing that I will discuss is how to move through the process of processing your emotions because there is a process that you can do to be able to get to a place of Um, what I'm going to discuss a lot here in this class today of being in a place of good cheer because heavenly father told us we can do that. And that's a cool thing. And he tells us over and over in the scripture. So I love that, that he kind of just like plugs that in there every once in a while. You know, you can get to a place of good cheer and I love that. So we all live in this place, right? uh, Where we go to a battle with our emotional storms, right? And I believe we can, Gain emotional stamina over that. That is such a wonderful place to be. And um, I'm going to back up just one minute here. I wanted to give credit to also the coach that I had last year. I've also stepped outside of Life Change Services and got other training. And um, that was from a lady called Jodi Moore. And she was with a place called the Life Coach School. And I just want to give some credit where credit is due because the information is not just mine, and I don't own it, but um, I feel so blessed to have been able to train with other people. So just wanted to add that. So just in mind with the emotional storms that we go through, I believe that we do not have to live in a place of, like in the scriptures it says, in a gulf of misery and endless woe. How many of you feel like that you get to that place when you are in an emotional storm. I bet most of you do, that you're just in that gulf of misery. I hate it personally. I don't like to be there, and I love the training and the information from this lesson that has, well, when I get in that place, and we will, and I always will get there because it's part of life. I love being able to climb out of it in a better way. And when you apply this information, you also will be able to move out of that in a better way. Because our job is to learn to bridge, make a bridge over that gulf of, and, just, and just bypass it. Just don't even go there if we can. But we're going we're gonna to feel the emotion. We might as well not sink down in the gulf. From this lesson, you'll also be able to coach yourself. The information at the end of the lesson is actually some steps to coach yourself. Who wouldn't love to not be able to just have to call somebody up and say, can you coach me through this? Because I, I can't get it. Sometimes we just don't have the time to do that. I highly recommend getting help when you need it on a bigger, when you're in a huge mess. But sometimes we just have little messes and we can clean them up all by ourselves. And we, I've learned to be able to coach myself through some of that time. So we would all love to be happy all of the time, right? All of the time. But you know what? We can't. It's not possible. We're not supposed to feel happy all of the time. And I loved learning that point right there. I'm not supposed to feel happy all of the time. And I'm like, what? Because I kind of thought that. I kind of thought I should always feel happy. I should. I should always feel happy. But um, when we know how to experience these rough times, we're going to be able to move through them in a more doable way. And if you have a pencil and paper right now, what I would like you to do is I want you just, I'm going to give you about a minute to think about what your three main negative emotions are. Because most of us have a habit of going to three main negative emotions. So just want you to ponder, what are some of the battles you've been in? Because you'll all be able to eat, To just kind of view that in your mind's eye. And then think about the feeling you feel. Can you name it? Can you put it down on paper? So take a minute to do that. Julie? Yes. Do you mean the problem or do you mean the emotion? The emotion. It's just a one-word statement. What are three emotions we have or three problems we have that cause us continual emotions? No, not the problem. I only want you to write down the emotion. Thank you Uh for i okay. um, wanting clarification on that. I love that question. So a, an emotion is a one-word statement, okay? Like fear or frustration or overwhelm. What do you feel in the situation? Okay, so you've probably had enough time now. If you um, if you still are having a struggle getting to um, those emotions, it's okay. You know what? Because most of us, if you haven't had this class before or heard me talk about this or heard someone else talk on this subject, you might not have considered naming those emotions and um, not being able to even just put it to a word. That's sometimes really hard. And when I first started, it was really hard. I didn't know how I felt. And I was like, wow, this whole thing was really valuable to me to know how I feel and what I was feeling. Just set those feelings aside for just a minute while we get into the next portion of um, this information. Jesus Christ said that we cannot bear all things now. I really love that he said that. He gets that. He gets that I'm going to be in a strong emotional place some of the time. But he also said, I will lead you along. And I find it really interesting and very um, captivating that he also said, in between, you cannot bear all things now, and for I will lead you along. He said, nevertheless, be of good cheer. So I believe it's possible um, to get there actually in in a more smooth and more quick way. I didn't used to think that. I didn't used to understand that. Um, but I just, I was always confused why he just like, be of good cheer, and I'm having this struggle in my life. I'm having this painful place that I'm, I keep going to uh, often. Does it ever find, feel that way to you, that you find that you just can't get there? Um, I want you to close your eyes for just a moment, okay, and I want you to imagine one of those situations that you just thought of, where you wrote down that one-word statement about how you feel. Now, I want you to imagine the emotion, okay? And um, I I know that's kind of a hard place to be right now. I actually don't want you to feel that way through the rest of this. But I want you to... um, Now I want you to try to get to a place of good cheer in that situation. I want you to feel how hard that really is. Okay. Now I want you to just... um, You can open your eyes now, but I want, I wanted you to kind of experience that for a minute because when you're done with this and you go on with your life, when you're done with this lesson here today and you go on with your life, I want you to think about that. I want that to be able to pop up in your mind that, oh yeah, she said, I can, I can get to good cheer, but I have to practice some things first, okay? So what about noticing your feelings? Have you noticed them before? We often don't take notice of them. And we don't know, um, we don't want to know to them because they are uncomfortable. They're, they're hard. They're super uncomfortable. And that's the reason we don't give them a name. It's the reason we can't move through them very easily is because it's uncomfortable. Our brain is designed to keep us comfortable and in a, a place of, peace and joy if possible, but because we feel uncomfortable, we push our feelings away. So that leads us into the next part of the discussion. There are three things that we do when we feel these feelings of discomfort in our bodies, and the first thing that we do is we judge the feeling, okay? We think that we are not supposed to feel uncomfortable. We think we shouldn't be overwhelmed because I should be able to handle all of this stuff. But that is um, self-judgment. And when we live in self-judgment, it actually um, perpetuates the feeling of overwhelm or fear or anxiety that you might be feeling. So I'm going to ask you a question. Are you really not supposed to feel overwhelmed, discomfort? We think um, that it would be nice to feel happy all of the time, but that would just really be boring. It really would, because if you felt happy all of the time, guess what? You wouldn't, um, it, you wouldn't, be, you wouldn't even know what happiness was if you were happy all the time. It would just be like a fish in the water. It doesn't really probably even know what water is, right? Right. We, we don't even think about the air we breathe. It's just around us all the time until we, until we can't breathe, basically. And that's why we have to have that opposition of all things. Christ taught us that we would have opposition in all things. Um, in the Life Coach School, they teach that that's the 50% rule. If there's opposition outside of you um, 50% of the time, Think about the your internal self is do you have an internal opposition? Of course we do. We are always going to have a fifty percent opposition internally and fifty percent um feeling good internally. so I want you to think about that. Heavenly Father understood that in another scripture that I love, and I have it on a three by five card here it's in john sixteen thirty three it says these things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. Okay? There's the opposition right there. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Don't you find it really interesting that he does that little triangle again? He says, you're going to have tribulation, the 50% rule, of the opposition. And he says, I've overcome the world. Notice me over here. And then right in between, he interjected again, be of good cheer. Notice that pattern in the scriptures, right? Between him noticing you and reminding you that he's going to be there for you, he says, be of good cheer. So I've drawn this triangle, and I want you to notice, you are on one side. And Christ says, I'm always going to be right there for you. I'm going to be standing right there near you. And I've got your right hand. I've got your left hand. And it's because of this atonement that I've done for you. In that scripture, it says, I've overcome the world. Through the atonement, he overcame the world for us. So it's absolutely possible. This one scripture taught me that very thing I, and, and drove this testimony home for me, that I can get to a place of good cheer. Okay, the second thing we do is we tend to resist feeling uncomfortable uh, with the pain of emotion, strong negative emotion. And I want you to picture something with me. I want you to imagine in your mind's eye that you're in a swimming pool and you have a very large beach ball and you've just blown it up and inflated it with all of that air. Now, I really want you to picture this. Even if you put your arms down, I want you to picture yourself and push that ball down under the water. You've probably all done that once or twice. Put something with some air pressure in it under the water. I want you to push it under the water in your mind's eye now and with your arms. And I want you to feel the um, resistance of that water with that air pressure in there. But you're trying to hold it under there with all your might because you're actually having fun with some friends. And you're trying to hide that ball from your friends. And you're, um, you're keeping the, your arms down. And you're feeling the pressure. And pretty soon your arm starts kind of aching but you really are having fun with this game and you really know that they don't realize you have the ball and you're holding it under even longer and your arms are starting to hurt like crazy and then all of a sudden because your arms can't take it any longer and your friends haven't discovered it all of a sudden that ball comes shooting out of the water and just exploding because your arms couldn't take it any longer and that's exactly that's the picture that I want you to think about with your emotions. We push them away. We resist them because we don't like the struggle or the pain of it. Our brain doesn't want the pain of it. Like I said before, it's designed to keep you in a place of comfort. It's pretty, and that's and if you're resisting your feelings, you can even think to yourself, "Oh, my brain's working just fine. It's trying to protect me." But that's okay. I'm okay with this emotion. But With emotions, the problem with trying to resist them is they morph. They move to a new stage. Like, for instance, if you have a feeling of shame, it can change into a feeling of fear. Or if you have a feeling of frustration, it can go to the feeling of anger. And you can imagine when you get to those um, new emotions, fear, those stronger words like anger or embarrassment, sometimes we erupt, we erupt over people, we erupt um, at ourselves, and we're not patient with ourselves or other people. So resisting our feelings is one of the problems we go to when we are in, in painful emotional situations. All right, the third thing we do is we buffer the feeling. Now, what do I mean by that? I want you to picture yourself in a buffer zone. It's um, a buffer zone is when you're trying to cushion or shield yourself from the way you feel. And we do this by um, abusing things that are, can actually be good in our life. We may abuse food. We may abuse, um, let's say, shows on Netflix or, another, or other channels like series. we we can watch them over and over and over. And it's really easy to do that when um, we don't want to feel feelings. Now, I'm not saying that watching something or eating food is awful or even going to read books. But when we do it in a way that is more addictive or habitual um, for long periods of time, like sleeping or um, maybe even shopping, when we do it excessively when it then it starts to change it turns a positive thing into a negative thing in our life so why do we have negative emotions anyway I never thought I never used to think they were useful I didn't like feeling them I had um, I grew up with a lot of anxiety in my life actually and over some of the struggles that personal struggles that I had or personal struggles that my parents had. And, you know, I didn't like feeling those feelings. And I'm sure many of you don't like feeling the feelings of negativity either. And I remember um, a class I took a couple of years ago. And one of the ladies the, the, or the presenter was saying how useful that this negative emotion was to her. And I'm like, no, it's not. How can you even think that? How can you even think that that could be useful to you? And even her explanation didn't seem to satisfy me. Until that I until I got further into studying and understanding why they're even um, useful, but this is what I want you to think about in your mind. Your emotions are your alarm, and I want to offer you offer to you that um, that it can be an alarm in your life for something that is maybe off like our thinking, and I'll explain that in a minute. So, consider with me for the next um, half hour that your um, negative emotions are useful. Because let's say, like, physical pain physical pain why is that useful for you? What do you do with physical pain? If you had um, just bought a new pair of shoes and it was creating a blister on your heel, then you would go put a band aid on your heel, or you would intermittently wear the shoes so your foot would get used to wearing the shoe because of the pain that it was causing you. Okay, so um, our emotional pain is the same kind of thing. It shows up for us to help us realize that we are thinking um, things that are not useful for us. They're not leading us to the light of Christ. It's not leading us to help us to work on ourselves to become a better person, and I love that about a negative, a negative feeling, so like, let's say, for instance, if you're feeling the feeling of shame, you can take time to notice um, the lie of, I'm not good enough, how does that feel, that, how does that thought feel to you, I'm not good enough, it's going to take you to a place of shame, How about if you're feeling a moment of frustration? It could possibly lead you to the lie of they're not good enough. How many times do we enter into frustration because they're not good enough? I'm going to tell you a little story really quick. um, We went to um, Willard Bay last weekend, and my husband was loading the kayaks. And um, usually we put them in a trailer, and it doesn't take very long. And he was out there for a long time. And I, had, uh, I was starting to feel a little agitated. I'm like, what's taking so long? So I was feeling the feeling of agitation. And then um, I looked out the window quite a bit later, and he was trying to tie them on top of the Sequoia, our, um, our vehicle that would be pulling it. And I'm like, why is he doing that? And why is it taking so long? And because I was in a hurry, I let my thoughts get away from me. And all of a sudden, I had this rush of feeling of frustration. And I knew I was in an emotional storm, and I had not felt the storm for a long time because I, I knew that I had really tr- started to conquer some of this frustration that I feel in other people, that they're not good enough at whatever they're doing. But like I said, we are still living in this life, and 50% of the time, things will still come up. And so I took a moment, and I thought, okay. I named the emotion I felt. I'm feeling frustration. And it really allevi- alleviated, um, just naming it, just alleviated me thinking the thought that he wasn't good enough. So what about the feeling of overwhelm? What's the lie behind that? The, the lie of overwhelm might be, I don't have enough time. It truly is a lie, but we, we, te- we believe that we don't have enough time. Because we think we cannot do it all. We don't, personally, I think we don't have to do it all. But we have to figure out how to stay out of that feeling. But uh, the things that we feed ourselves, the lies that we t- feed ourselves, are the things that keep us in that strong emotional state. Okay, so emotional things are going to happen. Your emotions are not your alarm. Heavenly Father's given it to you so that you can work through the problem. And that's the beauty of having negative emotions. They are useful. So I want you to consider that with me, that they that they are useful in your life. All right, so what is a feeling? Sylvia was wonderful and asked me, what are you talking about? What do you really want us to write down there? Um, and I was so grateful that she um, brought that up because a feeling is actually a one-word statement created by a thought. And let me explain that. When you have a thought your brain is designed to release a chemical into into your body and it goes into your bloodstream, creating the feeling. That feeling is feels like energy, it might feel like a vibration. And um you know, but you know you're feeling something. But before now you might have not stopped to think, oh, I just had a thought, I just had a chemical go through my body. We don't think that way, right? Because we don't we haven't learned that. But Dr. Joe Dispenza said that we have. We are addicted to three main emotions. Why do you think that he even uh, suggests that we are addicted to three main emotions? I don't know if they're an addiction or just our habit. I kind of think it more of a habit. It's our habit that we go to. It, It is our habit because we get comfortable with what we get comfortable with. And sometimes we might just be comfortable with overwhelm. We might just be comfortable with feeling agitated because we know how to do that really good, you know? We know how to be frustrated at our husbands when they do things we don't think they should do that way. But um, so he also teaches us that because of neuroplasticity, we can change that. And the reason we can change the situation is because we can change our thinking. We can change the way we think about things. Now, I was in my garden um, the other day. It was just before Karen called me and asked me to um, present this to you. And so I thought, I just have to share this with these people because I think this came to me because I'm sharing it, because Karen asked me to share. And this wasn't part of um, the process of teaching this, but because I've talked a lot about our thinking today, I wanted to interject my thoughts of being in my garden that day. As I was pulling out weeds and being really frustrated that they're in my garden, that I can't keep up with them, I looked at them and I thought, these weeds need the same thing as those beautiful flowers over there to grow. These weeds need the very same thing that all those beautiful vegetables over there and those beautiful berries over there in my garden need to grow. And it's the process of photosynthesis. I can't even say it. Photosynthesis. And so I looked it up. It says the process of photosynthesis is um, by which green plants and certain other organisms transform light energy into chemical energy. During, and I just thought, wow, yeah, we have, we have ener- those kind of things in our bodies. We have chemical energies in our bodies that get trans- or transferred into our bodies by certain processes. And it says, during photosynthesis in green plants, light energy is captured and converted into, I mean, and used, and used to convert water, carbon dioxide, and mineral into oxygen and energy-rich organic compounds. So I just thought that was really unique to liken that to our thoughts. It's our, all, all of our, our negative emotions and our positive emotions need the exact same process. Okay? The process of our thinking. Where, do I, where does our thinking come from? Is it come, coming from our higher power? Is it coming from a light source? Or is it coming from a dark source? Where is our thinking coming from? And that was just a beautiful moment in the garden, how I was able to liken that to my thoughts and my feelings. So a feeling is created by a thought that um, sends chemicals into our bodies, causing us to feel So with that understanding in mind, let's move on to um, the next portion. This portion is the how to process your emotion in your body. And um, when you understand this, this creates an awareness for you on an ongoing basis. But before we get into explaining it, I want you to remember two things, okay? There's two things I want you to remember that's so important more than even this whole process, okay? The first thing is do not feel bad about feeling bad. Do not feel bad about your negative feelings. It's important to understand their usefulness. This is exactly how it's supposed to be. This is our refiner's fire. Heavenly Father told us we would have a refiner's fire, and who of us do not want to be refined? I love Elder Maxwell's quote where he says that we all knew that we and I'm just going to paraphrase. I don't I didn't even look it up. It just came to my mind. We all knew before we came to this life, all of the things we were going to get into. But how many of us say, Heavenly Father, don't make me feel this way. Don't make me have to work on this tribulation. Don't make me do this. Please excuse this from my life. And then let me show up in thy kingdom with you. But what he's doing, he's processing us into gold so that we can live with him in his kingdom again. All right. And then the second thing to do is to stay in a place of curiosity. Just be curious about all of the feelings that you feel in your life. So number one, the first stage of processing your um, emotion. As I want you to take that beach ball now, and I just want you to just let it relax with you on top of that water. Just open the door to it and invite it to be with you. That's what you do with a negative emotion. You just invite it to be with you. You just observe it and be okay with it. It's just floating there on top of the water, and it's okay. There's no judgment here, there's no resisting it, and there's no buffering. There's no buffering at all, okay? We're just gonna be accepting of our emotions, okay? And step number two is to name it. Name that emotion, give it a name. Is it shame? Is it overwhelm? Is it fear? Why is it important to even name it at all? Why is it useful? I think because when you give it a name, if you look at that word shame right there on the board, on on the screen, it has letters, it has form. And so what came up for me when I learned this method is I learned that I had been living in a place of overwhelm a lot. And then when I would go to the stage of overwhelm while I was learning about my emotions, I'm like, oh, I'm in overwhelm. And the word would just pop right there in my mind. And I thought, that is really cool. I see the word overwhelm in my mind. It, it helped me to notice the next time that it came up for me because I had this picture in my mind of what overwhelm said to me. It's that word right there. But more importantly than that word, the, the cool thing is, is when you see your feelings in you, you can more quickly notice them in other people. And especially for your children. Young children especially need help understanding their emotions and, be, and you being able to talk with them about naming their emotions. And you're, you become more available to them. We talk about becoming our children's best cheerleader. And we can do that when we can talk to them about their emotions. Also, the third thing in naming it is you can say it out loud. I never thought that that would be okay. I'm really frustrated right now. I was always of the opinion that I needed to show my family that I am in control all the time, but that's just a lie. I'm a human being and they're a human being. And if I tell them I'm frustrated right now or I'm overwhelmed because this and this is, this is happening, um, then I teach them that they're, they have permission to feel a feeling. Isn't it awesome to have that kind of permission at such a young age? Teach your children to have permission to feel a feeling. It never, when I grew up, it never was okay. I was always told, oh, don't be, don't be upset. Don't cry. We say that to our kids, don't we? Don't be sad. That's not useful. We want them to understand that it's okay and help them process, do these steps of processing the emotion. And then the next thing that you can do is decide where is it in your body? Where is it in my body? Where is that chemical flowing through me? Why do I, um, and, and where, is it, where am I feeling it? Now, this, this kind of goes along the lines of naming it. The reason that that's useful is because when you start to feel maybe like anxiety go down your, your shoulders or the heavy burden of overwhelm on your shoulders um, pushing you down, like, I mean, that's where I feel it. You, you, you can name where you feel it. That's useful because that helps you get laser sharp laser sharp at seeing the opposition when it comes up for you because most of us don't notice that the opposition of the negative emotion until it gets strong or until it starts to morph but our body is a useful tool to, um, to see where we're feeling that feeling. Um, sometimes when I'm having so a little bit of anxiety, or like if I'm getting nervous before a presentation, it's kind of interesting. My whole face starts to feel a little tingly, and I know, I, and I just say to myself, "Yep, that's that feeling right there. I'm getting ready to pre- present, and that's okay." And and just being okay with it just kind of soothes me. And Heavenly Father gave me that feeling because when you get an address, He, he wants you to feel a little nervous before you start presenting. What I've learned is. He's given us just that little bit of adrenaline to keep us thinking the way, um, what we've learned and being able to present what we want to present. And you've maybe given a talk in church. That's the reason why. Okay. um, Step number four is to ask yourself a powerful question. Now, this is one of my favorite steps um, to ask myself a powerful question. And I like to memorize powerful question. And they need to be a real simple question like, what if it's okay to feel like this? Just like I told you, what if it's okay to feel that tingly feeling in my face during a presentation? Um, what it, in what way is this feeling serving me? I get why the tingly feeling is serving me, okay? I don't have to push it away or be stressed that I'm feeling that way. I'm like, this is normal just before a presentation. Okay. I also like to say a powerful statement. And I learned this from my, one of my, our state presidents. Um, he said that we can get comfortable feeling, uncom- feeling uncomfortable. So when I go through a negative emotion, I'm like, okay, that's uncomfortable. And, and while well, I don't really think it's comfortable to feel it, I can say it's okay. So I but, I, but his words always come into my mind. I can get comfortable feeling uncomfortable. So those are a few of my favorites, but here is a step where you create. This is your creation part of the whole sequence, is you create your own powerful question. What are you going to ask yourself in the, in, in the moment of when you're feeling stressed? Why do we do that? Let me tell you why the reason why we do that. The reason we do it is because in our brains, um, we are designed to, um, like I said, feel more comfortable. And um, our brains will start to go to sleep to try to get us to feel more comfortable. But we want to stay in our higher thinking brain. And the way to do that is to ask yourself a powerful question. If you if your brain is starting to get numb and go to sleep, it's just like you hear the t- in the scriptures all the time, wake up, wake up, oh, my soul. But the way to do that is to, to talk to yourself and ask yourself a powerful question. Now, in last week's presentation by Kelly, um, she talked about a book that she loved. And I'm going to share it again here today because I think everybody should read it. Okay. So, and I actually went and checked it out. She gave us a presentation about it over a month ago in a, another private place um, that Karen teaches. And um, she told me about this book. Change your questions, change your life. So guess what I did? I went and checked it out of the library. Because of this step um, in overcoming our emotions and being able to process our emotions, I mean. Because she, what she gets, because she is a social scientist, is that our brains need to ask ourselves powerful questions to be able to bring the light. To bring the light back into our life, you have to be able to ask yourself a powerful question. To stay in your higher thinking brain, to stay connected with your Heavenly Father, to get to a place of good cheer. It's a wonderful, this is the most powerful step in the whole sequence, to ask yourself a powerful question. So decide in what way, the negativity is helping you. And step number five is to just let it wash away. I want you to take that beach ball and I want you to watch it just float away from you. Notice the um, chemicals in your body. Notice them calming down and going away. Our emotions will fade. Sometimes we get scared. When we we judge ourselves and say we shouldn't feel like this, and especially when we're in a higher anxiety place, We think I'm going to feel like this the rest of my life. I don't want to feel that way. And um, I do that. I still do that. And I'm still working on that problem when I'm in that higher um, negative place. And um, we tend to think that we're going to be there the rest of our life because I'm scared of the feeling. And I don't want to be scared of the feeling and judge it. But Um, our feelings will wash away. And when we're having a maybe a a lower negative emotion, it's a a good time to notice that it washes away more quickly. When you're in a stronger negative emotion, because I've worked through this process and I've been told that it will wash away. Okay, so when I was training to this, I thought, okay, I'm going through the process and it's not washing away. What's going on? So what I had to learn to do was to be okay with the process of a longer emotion. And, um, but then eventually it does wash away and I don't have to be scared of it. I don't have to fear it. I don't have to try to re because that pushes me into the resistance mode. All right. So even if you don't keep all five steps in mind, because what I've found is um, I know Karen asked me the other day, now, what are all those steps? I'm like, Oh, yeah, I don't remember. It's hard to keep them all in your brain. Just try to remember at least one or two of them. My, my One of my go-tos be just to get the process started is just to name it. That was my first step, and it's the one I remember the most, just like you always remember I, Nephi, being born of goodly parents. It's You know the first verse of the, of the Book of Mormon, right? Well, it's the same thing with this one. I always am able to name it, but to get to name, um, asking myself a question, sometimes takes a lot more work but I'm still and I'm still learning the process don't be um, upset if you can't learn the process right away you might have stronger negative emotions like I do okay and it and it gets hard to learn it as quickly as you want to but it's time to start feeling our feelings when you get good at feeling your feelings you no longer have to fear them you no longer have to fear that what a beautiful thing your children are also new at emotions Help them to work through it. Help them to name it. Remind them that it's okay to feel feelings. They can feel sad. They can feel afraid. And it, it's okay. Just walk them through those steps. You become powerful, then you can help them become powerful. But don't try to practice it on them until you're good at it. You know, you can be okay with them feeling sad in the moment. But just get good at Doing yourself, you get you because you can be a better cheerleader for them when you get good at it. Heavenly Father made our bodies; we don't have to be scared of what He made it. He made us to have negative emotions; it's on purpose. And I want you to picture just like when you go to a, a movie, you you feel all the emotions in a movie, right? You have felt the drama, you feel the betrayal, maybe you feel the suspense, you feel the joy, even and the love, maybe somebody that is showing another person being, and it doesn't worry you. But it worries us in our own personal life. So what I want you to do is do these things ahead of the storm. Practice it ahead of the storm. Do steps one through five ahead of this, the big emotional battle. And you can do that. Like if you're having a calm day and your children come home from school and um, all of a sudden the chaos ensues and frustrations starts to build, what a good time to practice steps one through five. Those are lower emotional times, even, even though they feel strong emotional, and they do, right? They really are not the strong emotional ones that we have in the bigger battles of our life. So practice it on the smaller battles, okay? Think of the three main emotions that you want to go to. to. What are your three top main emotions? Okay, when you have those in mind, that is a game changer because you can start coaching yourself to that. The reason I say that is because we want to, Christ says that we want to be in a place of love, charity. That's what we want to be in. If I asked you um, what the feeling of love felt like in your body, would you be able to go to it right now or in the middle of a storm? Or can you, or did you, were you able to visualize anger, overwhelm, anxiety? Was that, is that easier to visualize for you? So think about that. Which one is the most easy for you to visualize? I asked that to a class once, and they were dumbfounded that they couldn't get to the place of love as easy as they were able to get to a place of fear or overwhelm in their mind. Like, remember that visualization I had you to do in the, in the beginning? I had them do that at that time. So Jodi Moore teaches me, taught, taught us this one statement. She says, love is at the core of who we really are. The natural man blocks this love. It's the, and I'm going to paraphrase some of this, it's the we are created in his image love. We block that. We have the we are created in his image love. She says we allow our own minds to get in the way and block ourselves from love. We don't have to create love. We just have to allow what's already here. We already have it. We have the love that we need for ourselves, for those other people that we're frustrated with, but we, we, can, we can create it. This is a process of creation in your life. It's a steps of awareness and then a process of creation. She says, we improve ourselves from love. We cannot hate ourselves or others better. So I just want to leave you with that um, and with one, more, one last scripture. Um, this is my favorite um, cheerful script, scripture. Okay, I'm on a cheerful kick in this information lesson, and um, because I have a testimony that we can get there all of the time, we just have to be okay where we are, and then we can get there. And it is doable. He said in Doctrine and Covenants DNC 123 17, he said, Let us cheerfully do all things that lie in our power. And then may we stand still with the utmost assurance to see the salvation of God and for his arm to be revealed. So I just testify to you that it's true. We can, we can live through the refiner's fire and stay cheerful. And um, thank you again, Karen, for letting me have this opportunity to present something that is really dear to my heart and that has helped me to become a better version of myself. And I hope that it will help all of you. Thank you, Karen.
0: Oh, thank you so much, Julie. Amazing. Thank you for that. So appreciate your message. I wanted to just have a discussion right now. And because I think what Julie mentioned about letting helping becoming more emotionally intelligent myself allows other people the permission to do so. Uh, because I do think, I don't know if it's a pattern in everybody's lives, but I think most women feel like we, you know, we get that if mom ain't happy, then no one's happy, right? We just feel like we have to put on this persona constantly that we are fine. I'm fine. Everything's just fine <laughs> all the time. But we really are human and we have these emotions. And so we naturally buffer things. Uh, Just because we are trying to maintain an atmosphere with everybody. And I think that that what you said, Julie, about being able to name our own emotions, being able to say, just your example of, I'm frustrated. And to let everybody know, just because I say I'm frustrated doesn't mean everybody should freak out and think, oh dear, she's mad. That's a negative emotion. Just being, oh, wow, she's being um, aware of herself. And that's healthy. And it's okay to be aware of yourself. And because she's frustrated, she might be able to and say, if you could say you're frustrated, you might also be able to request something that would help you. Or say, I need to take a break so I don't get more frustrated. Do you know what I mean? So that they understand There's a process to managing negative emotions. But anyway, um, Julie, I was wondering, just because I really want to highlight that piece of how important it is for us to become more emotionally aware. um, I just think it helps so much when you use that little story that you tell about ice cream, about your personal experience and ice cream, and just how that is such a great example of this is just the normal life stuff but this is why kids do what they do but had you known something different how helpful that would have been oh yeah would you share that story
1: oh yeah i didn't know you had heard that story that's so fun <laughs> yeah okay so this happened when i was a little girl and um, we um, had this station wagon some that'll take that'll date me had an old <laughs> station wagon and Um, I think my uncle was there and we decided all to go for ice cream. So we all piled in the station wagon and, um, we went down and we got ice cream and, you know, it was one of my favorite treats and I'm like, I'm so excited to get an ice cream cone and we got our ice cream and then we all piled back in the car and we were going to just eat it on the way home, drive home. So we're in the car eating and I was sitting right by the door, okay, of the car and I'm licking the ice cream cone, and I must have been licking it just a little bit too hard. Just, just being enjoying it just a little too much. Because guess what happened? The whole thing just plopped off and fell onto the car floor. And I was just really sad at first. First thing, I was sad. I'm like, oh, I really wanted to eat that. This makes me kind of frustrated. But then um, I'm like, oh yeah, now it's making a mess. And this is messy, and other people are not going to be okay with this mess I just made. And my parents are just going to be unhappy. And so I just kind of inched my way forward, and I just hid the ice cream with my niece. So nobody would make fun of me, because my siblings were all sitting right here by me. We're just lined right up on that seat. And, um, and then, so my feelings started, I looked back and my feelings started to go to shame and embarrassment. And I wanted to hide. I just wanted to hide that mess on the floor. And that's what we all do, right? We just want to hide our messes. So I was starting to hide my mess. And then um, I'm just sitting there, just starting to crush my, crunch my ice cream. Then the kids are my cone. My brothers and sisters are making fun of me for eating so fast. And how come you're already to the cone? We are still eating our, you know, I just knew that people just frustrated with me. And my my thoughts were just escalating. What's going to happen? I'm going to get in trouble when we get home. So because I was sitting by the door, I was so thankful. I opened that door as soon as we got home, and I opened that door, and I ran into the house, and I hid in the bottom of the closet, because I just knew I was going to get in trouble. Pretty soon, my father came in. Well, not pretty soon. It seemed like a long time. I just had so long to sit there and think about my thoughts and how much in trouble I was going to be. He came in, and he says, we have been looking for you everywhere, and I am so glad we found you. And why are you hiding? And I explained why I was hiding. And he said, You know, Julie, if you just would have, sorry, this is the emotional part. If you would have just come to me, I would have helped you clean up the mess. I cleaned it up all by myself, and it's okay. And I just wished I would have known that it was okay that I made a mess and that what I was, and that what I was feeling, all those shame, all that shame and embarrassment was also okay. Oh, thank you so much. Uh,
0: that just brought such a powerful spirit, too, because it, the Spirit was testifying to me that the Savior is always okay with our feelings. And he's always okay with the messes that we make. And he's completely willing, in fact, he already has cleaned up that mess. Even though you just think it just got made. It's the first time that horrific mess is here. Um, He's already cleaned it up. And his willingness to do that, whenever I think we've all had the experience of feeling like, Oh, I just am the worst. Oh, I just don't get it. Oh, I'm just so ashamed oh, I just feel so, so uncomfortable or so embarrassed about something. And then maybe we get to the real truth of it. Like, talk to somebody, go talk to the bishop, talk to a person. And then you understand one another and you realize that, wow, your emotions about that were so humongous. You thought it was the worst thing in all the world. But once you could see it clearly, it just filled you with this, sense of relief and peace and more, like, assurance. Everything's going to be okay. And I really think that um, understanding what Julie has taught today uh, will help us to find the Savior uh, more fully in our lives, because when we understand um, one of the reasons he gave us those feelings is um, because he wanted us to be self-aware enough to know when it was time to identify those things that we can't carry ourselves. And also to be able to identify those things that we are supposed to notice. I own that. Those are my feelings. That is my shame, but that's my embarrassment. Those are my that's my discomfort. But what I need right now is to ask for help. Ask for help. Ask for him to come and help me look at this. Help me have the courage to sit with it, to learn from it, and to be honest enough to tell him about it and not just try to move on like a tough gal, you know? To just say, this is who I am. This is what's really happening in my life. And this is important for me to acknowledge where I'm at. Because the Savior has taught us, if you want to be somewhere different than where you're at, you have to be able to sit where you're at and acknowledge it and tell him about it and and identify what it is and ask for the help that you need to be stronger than you can be by yourself through his atonement as he comes in and says, I'll, I'll help you with that. In fact, I'm so glad you finally figured out how to name it, own it, and carry and say that's what that is. And notice what a burden it is for you. Because I've already done everything that needs to be done with that for you. So if you'll just hand it to me, just let me help you with that. And you'll probably need to take it back in about five minutes, right? Because you don't quite know how to let go of it yet. But over time, if you keep involving me in the process, pretty soon I'll take all of that from you. I just think this is such an important concept for us to understand because it allows us to access the Savior better and to understand why the discomfort in our life leads us to him and is part of the process of finding him. And so, oh, I'm just so grateful for her story. And when she tells about how her dad comes and how he tells her he took care of that by himself, you know, I just think it's such evidence of That's what the Savior does for us, is willing to do for us. And we are like that little girl in a closet, unwilling. Because we don't know quite how to be vulnerable and to get the help we need. A lot of the reason why is because none of us are okay with negative feelings. You're not supposed to have those. You're not supposed to be like that. That means you're bad. That means you're not worthy. That means you're not capable. That means you're not a good mom. That just means so many naughty things. And so instead of turning to the source of our healing, we hide in closets. Julie, thank you so much. Any of you gals, does anybody have any comments? Anything that you've learned uh, from our discussion with and our presentation with Julie or that you could teach or testify of because you also... I've learned something, think go for it.
2: Alright, so I'm gonna be very vulnerable, but I suffer a lot from stuff, And so I get into that negative place. And then I go from that it grows into blaming others. That if others hadn't done this or others hadn't done this, I wouldn't be in this situation. And I was listening to a conference talk the other day and I was reminded about Lincoln and one of the big deals of Lincoln that made him such a great person is that his enemies, he could have destroyed them. He could have crushed them. He was a powerful political figure. But he didn't. He went out of his way to become friends to them. And his uh, political friends would say, well, why are you doing that? And they're your enemies. Why are you being so kind and so good to them? He says, well, if they're my friends, then they're no longer my enemy. So in essence, he's getting rid of his enemies by becoming friends with them. So I have all these people that I, I'm very bitter I have a lot of bitterness that I carry. And I thought, you know, here is Satan trying to get me to hate people or to be angry with people that should be my friends. The person that I should be always angry about or always thinking is my enemy is Satan, not these people. So I I noticed it, like Julie said. So I thought, okay, what can I do to win this battle? What can I do? So every time I start having a feeling of negativity towards a person now, where, whether I'm jealous of them or bitter or upset, I'll just stop and I'll say, okay, my way of becoming a friend with them is to pray for them. And so I'll stop right there and I'll just say a little prayer. And I'll say, Heavenly Father, help that person with what they need at this time and take away these, these feelings from me so that I can feel friendship towards them. And I just say that little prayer. And my goodness, has it made a huge difference in my life. I feel so much lighter. I'm not carrying this heaviness of these people thinking that they're my enemies and, and they make mistakes. They do. I make mistakes also, but in the end, when we're all up there in heaven, it's going to be so much nicer. If we can all hug each other and say, man, I'm glad that's over Than to be up there in heaven and be, Oh yeah. You know, you weren't nice to me. (laughs) Anyway, that's just my takeaway. Thank you for that.
0: There is one question in the chat. Great. I need to know how to reconcile the idea that we should avoid thinking I shouldn't have this feeling, I should be happy with the idea that we should be of good cheer. Great. Okay, let me, let me read a little bit back. So she just says, I have confusion about the recommendation to not judge our feelings and avoid thinking I shouldn't be feeling this feeling, I should be happy. In my mind, I feel conflicted with that recommendation and with the scripture to be of good cheer. I feel the need to hurry up and get over the negative emotion so that I can be of good cheer. So how do I reconcile that idea to avoid having one feeling when I should be feeling something else? Then you start feeling overwhelmed, and then you're feeling bad that you're having a feeling you shouldn't be having, and then you're going around and around. and. Go, oh, Julie. Can I answer to that?
1: Chloe recognize that and just like how can I think that I should be happy about it because I don't like it right well of course we don't like it it feels uncomfortable but I think that that goes back to the alarm thing just be grateful for it just be grateful that oh okay this is causing me to stop and think that's all it's for is to cause you to do something it's cause cause you to take action in your thinking and and what's not useful for you. What's not useful? It's not the negative feeling is not I mean the negative feeling is the useful thing because it's causing you to do something new. Okay, does that make sense? You don't have to be happy about having the negative feeling. You just have to be okay with it. Just be okay that it's there. You're there just like you're you fear you're there just to cause me to do something new. You're causing me to say Oh, I might be having some thoughts that are not useful. Because remember what a a feeling is. A feeling is a one-word statement created by our thoughts, okay? A thought created it. If I'm thinking something, like Sherry just said, I'm bitter about that person, okay? What is her thought about being bitter, she has to stop and discover the thought of why she's bitter and then she turned it into oh i'd really just like to be their friend see how that changed her she noticed the bitterness and then she was able to pray to pray for them she understood she was bitter she used it use she used her bitterness as something useful she used the feeling of bitterness as something useful in her life and that's why it's okay and sherry thank you for being Um, vulnerable and sharing that with us because that is such a powerful example of what I'm talking about here. You notice the feeling, you named it, I'm bitter. And even if you didn't ask yourself a powerful question, you were back in your prefrontal cortex. You were done letting your body take over you. The feeling wasn't taking over you anymore. You were able to pray to be their friend. So I hope that's a good I think that's a wonderful example about what this person is asking in the chat. I didn't see who it was, but um, I just think that that is the way you get to a, good, a place of good cheer. How much better is it to be a friend? I mean, you can be a friend if you're in a place of good cheer, but you can if you're bitter. I hope that helps.
3: I'm just wondering if um, it's similar to Jesus with the money changers at the t- temple, he was angry. He knew he was angry. He took care of the situation and then he went about his business, you know? And so that's kind of, when I was listening to this, that's what popped into my head is Jesus with the money changers and him being angry. We can have disappointment. We can have anger. We can have frustration. It's not a matter of we need to push it away and squash it. Like you were saying with the ball, it's recognize it. What are you going to do with it? Um, how is it going to change and then move forward? And, and another talk that came to my mind was elder outdoors talk um sad mad and glad and um i think that was in the women's session a year or two years ago now and um you know we're going like you said earlier we're going to be in a refiner's fire we're going to have things happen to us and we're going to end up being the cause of things happening that will make us upset and things like that but it's our outlook and what we do with that and that's kind of what i'm getting from this Something too, I think sometimes
0: sometimes we get confused about what happiness is or what it looks like. Like just the word happy or cheerful makes us, I don't know what it makes everybody else think, but I think, well, that's like, you know, I'm like jumping up and down and really happy about things, you know, but rarely have I ever gone through a day or even an hour doing that in my life, you know? That's not what I act like. I act like I'm doing my life. I'm just marching and bumping and bouncing along and most of the time just sliding on my bottom through my life, right? I'm like, I'm still making it. I'm doing it. I'm not going to get out of this lane, but I have to do it at this level today, you know? But I think there's different levels of um, what that is, claiming happiness and cheerfulness. And sometimes the word peace helps me, Uh, if I can feel peaceful here, that is joy, especially when it's an enabling peace, like I'm not supposed to feel peaceful here, this is new and fun, right? Look at this storm freaking everybody out, but for some reason, I can sit here peacefully and I can notice that and notice that notice me, and I can check in with God and ask him about things. And I I know principles, tools, things I can do, go about, so that I can, whatever level I'm at, whether I'm marching and jumping along or just sitting on my bottom trying to scoot along, whatever that is, um, I can check in and I think I'm peaceful today. It's, yeah, it's a little lower energy than usual, but I do feel peaceful. Or I'm in a really great high energy. So that helps me to know this is what happiness is. This is what cheerfulness is. This is what joy feels like, especially when you connect it to, I should not be feeling like this or this is new for me because I've never been able to not be a hot mess like this. So that's fun. That's really a yeah, wonderful, cheerful, glorious place to be in when we realize we have leveled up in and under, and understanding enough to be like, oh, <laughs> I should be like being a weird girl right now, but I'm not being weird. I'm doing this. So thank you so much, Julie. Thank you for your... Your help today. I just feel that I need to read this little quote by Elder Bednar before we go. And first to highlight um, just how incredibly lucky we are to have a Savior. And that the reason all of this is possible, what Julie has taught, is because of him. And then to hear what Elder Bednar says after. So um, we read, Alma explains why and how The Savior can enable us, help us. And he he explains this in Alma chapter 7, 11 and 12. And he shall go forth, suffering, suffering pains and afflictions and temptations of every kind, and this, that the word might be fulfilled, which saith, He will take upon him the pains and the sicknesses of all his people. And he will take upon him death, that he may loose the bands of death, which which bind his people, and he will take upon him infirmities, that his bowels may be filled with mercy according to the flesh, that he may know according to the flesh how to succor his people according to their infirmities. And then this is Elder Bednar speaking, Thus the Savior has suffered not just for our sins and iniquities, but also for our physical pains and anguish. Our weaknesses, our shortcomings, our fears, our frustrations, our disappointments, our discouragements, our regrets and remorse, our despair and desperation, the injustices and the, and the iniquities we experience and the emotional distresses that beset us. This is no, there is no physical pain, no spiritual wound, no anguish of soul or heartache, no infirmity or weakness you or I ever confront in mortality that the Savior did not experience first. In a moment of weakness, we may cry out, no one knows what this is like. No one understands. But the Son of God perfectly knows and understands, for he has felt and become our individual, for he has felt and borne our our individual burdens, and because of his infinite and eternal sacrifice, he has perfect empathy and can extend to us his arm of mercy. He can reach out, touch, succor, heal, and strengthen us to be more than we could ever be, and help us to do that which we could never do, relying upon our own power. Indeed, his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. Thank you, sisters, for being here. Thanks, Julie, and uh, we'll see you next week. Get registered for our Mom Power class. Love you, gals.